You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. If you've read any of my books, hello, hi. If you've read any of my books, go back to Amazon and leave me a quick review. I would greatly appreciate that. I also have a podcast. I'm recording my latest episode live on Instagram. This is where I record them. It is called Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. And it's just a casual conversation where I'm talking to you about a subject that I've been hearing a lot about, seeing a lot about. And uh, recently it's been about pornography addiction. So I'm going to talk about that today. Um, If you are listening on the podcast, please pause the podcast, leave me a review, and then come back. By the way, my podcast is available on every major podcast platform. Be sure to check it out if you get some time. I'm also on YouTube. Maybe some of the things that I'm saying is resonating with you, or maybe maybe you want to prove me wrong. (laughs) I'm okay with that as well. I get a lot of people who just, you know, they don't like these things that I say about the new covenant, about Jesus, about your complete forgiveness, complete righteousness. That's okay. (laughs) You're allowed to disagree with me as well. But maybe something that I'm saying you want to know more about in video form. Go to my YouTube channel and you can search pretty much any topic, any issue. I I have over 200 videos there about some of the hot topic issues in Christianity today. So check it out. I'm also on YouTube. Um, Now, if you want to contact me, please don't message me on social media. Typically, I don't interact with those. Um, It's just a healthy boundary that I have. So if you want to contact me, I do welcome your interaction, but go to my website. It's mattmcmillan.com. Go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. While you're on my website, check it out. I have a lot of free stuff that you can read and go through there. Um, Go to the topics page. A lot of people tell me they like the topics page because I have every topic you could possibly think of so far (laughs) about each Bible verse, each scripture, each issue, and I might be able to help you out. Okay, go to the topics page. While you're on my website, please do this. Sign up for my free daily devotional. If you sign up for the free daily devotional under the free newsletter tab, I'll send you a daily devotional once a day. All right, so let's get to today's walk talk. If you're new to my ministry, that is the cue that I'm past my introduction and I'm getting into the actual message of the walk talk. So if you're listening in the future, you're going to hear my introduction. You can always skip, 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 skip through it unless you want to hear my introduction and mouth the same words that I'm saying because I say it every time. (laughs) Or you can just skip to the introduction. So today's walk talk, first of all, how to stop watching porn. This is going to be an adult an adult theme walk walk talk. Most of my walk talks, I wouldn't say this. I don't think I've ever said this before, but if you've got little kids in the room or maybe you're listening or some, some children can hear, this is not for kids. All right. So this is an adult themed walk talk. So I'm going to be talking about a a lot of things that little kids shouldn't even be thinking about. Okay. So if you got kids listening, maybe you're listening on the podcast in your car in the future, you should probably turn it down or listen later in private when you're not taking the kids to school, you know, or if you're watching on the living room couch or in your, in your bedroom on your YouTube TV, this is not for kids. Okay. Cause I'm going to be talking about pornography today. All right. So, um, how to stop watching porn. 
One other thing before I get to today's topic, I always do a um, correction if I notice a correction from my last walk talk. So when I do these walk talks, I go back and I listen to it because I proof listen just to make sure I've made most of the points I wanted to make. And, you know, sometimes I'll make mistakes on certain things because guess what? I don't know everything. <laughs> How about that? You ever listen to somebody who has a ministry and they actually say, I don't know everything? Well, I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. What I need to know is who I need to know, and that's Jesus, okay? We're all learning and growing. As long as you know Jesus, you know everything that you need to know. And sometimes I make mistakes. How about that? <laughs> Somebody can make a mistake and they're actually talking about Jesus? So I, I say that because I hope it encourages you if you think you can't possibly say anything about Jesus because you think he can't say everything exactly right, who gives a rip and flip about that? Be yourself, express Christ, fall down, make mistakes, skin your knees, mess up on a Bible verse, mess up on a passage. That's fine. Okay, so I messed up on my last walk talk. I said, Satan is the prince of this world and he has no power over Jesus. And I said that was John 14, 20. Okay, it's actually John 14, 30. Okay, so that was it. That was the only mistake that I made. Sometimes I'll, I'll do my next walk talk and I have four or five corrections. <laughs> Sometimes I don't have any, but I noticed it. So that's where I messed up on that one. So if you're listening in, in, in order, maybe you're new to my ministry and you go back and you listen to the previous walk talk. I say John 14, 20 when I'm describing that Satan has no power over Jesus, but I mean John 14, 30. All right, so how to stop watching porn. If there was a secret formula to stop watching porn, people would be extremely rich if they knew that secret formula. Don't you think? Pornography is a big struggle for a lot of people. As a matter of fact, and I'm probably going to say that a lot today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> as a matter of fact, according to the Gospel Coalition, Christian men view porn more than non-Christian men. That's, that's interesting. Wouldn't you think it would be the other way around? And that's just the ones that are admitting it. Pornography is an issue. Pornography is a struggle for a lot of people. And I got to tell you this, having a social media ministry for over a decade now, if I had to categorize the number one email or concern that I get from people, it is their struggle with pornography. Christian men, pastors, leaders. There are countless individuals who feel as if they cannot live their life without watching pornography, viewing pornography. It's a big deal to a lot of people and it's their struggle. So today what I'm going to do is I am going to help you by removing a lot of the guilt and shame and condemnation which might be planted in your mind around this topic, okay? Because clearly you don't want to view it, but you do, right? And some people will go to Romans chapter 7 and they'll say, Oh, see, I'm doing the very thing I don't want to do. It's just part of the normal Christian life. I'm just supposed to struggle. No, that's not the normal Christian life. Romans chapter 7 does not describe anyone who has trusted Christ. So 
don't label yourself according to Romans chapter 7 if you've ever trusted Jesus. Okay, read Romans 6, 7, and 8 together. 6 describes you. 8 describes you. Chapter 7 describes somebody who is attempting to become righteous through what they do. That's not you. All right, and that's a whole other walk talk. And if you want to go deeper into Romans chapter 7, go to my, let me cross this road here, go to my website, type in the truth about Romans 7. I think I can help you out with Romans 7. Because if you go to a church and they teach you that Romans 7 is you, that's error. You're actually going to struggle more. So if it's pornography that you're struggling with, you're going to struggle with it more. Because you think that's just something that you got to struggle with. Okay? All right. Um, So when I talk about pornography or if I talk about sex... It can trigger a lot of people. So full disclaimer, before I begin to get into the the nitty gritty of this. First of all, this is not a themed walk talk for children. Again, if you've got children in your vicinity, it's probably best that they not listen to this. Now, if they're young adults or, you know, younger teenagers who know about sex, it's probably going to be a good thing. But kids, no, they don't need to be thinking about this. Also, if you have been taught that sex is nasty, sex is sinful, sex is wrong, this might trigger you. I don't want that for you either. So I just want to preface everything I'm about to say. I'm about to talk about something that is a very difficult subject for a lot of people. And it is very shame-based, very uh, fearful, very condemning. But I'm going to help cleanse your conscience. I'm going to plant seeds in your mind about some truths. My goal today is to convict you of your righteousness. How long have you been already convicted of sin? All that nasty sinning, looking at the porn. How many times have you been told that? If you struggle with porn, you feel condemned. You feel guilty. You feel shameful. You feel like you're not a Christian. You feel like you're, you have no way to stop this. You've gone a long time and then you did it again. You've gone a long time, then you did it again. Oh, I just do it all the time anyway, so what does it matter? Okay, pornography is not for you, friend. It will never set right with you permanently. I'm going to help you out today, okay? I'm going to help you out. So just give me some time. Let me get through this. There's going to be some other subjects, <laughs> not even subjects, some other parts of this, which it's going to probably shock you a little bit, but that's not my goal. My goal is not a, a, um, I don't want to shock you. Okay. All right. Um, but it's going to be shocking because it's not going to be something that you've typically heard. If you want something typical, Go to your local box church. They'll tell you to try harder. They'll tell you, if you did that, you need to do this. They're going to give you a full list of stuff that you need to do to get back into fellowship or to get back into God's good graces. Okay. I'm going to approach this differently. I'm going to approach this in a way that has helped me. Not just with pornography, but also with other addictions such as alcoholism or workaholism. I struggle with workaholism. (laughs) That's easy for me. Okay. 
So here's what I want to do. Um, first of all, I want to point out a verse. In Hebrews chapter 9, we can see that your conscience will be cleansed through the blood of Jesus. Let, now, you might not understand what that means. Your conscience can be trained by anything, truth or error. Your conscience is what you currently believe, what you currently think about something. Okay? Your conscience does not determine your salvation. So let me back up one more step and say this entire walk talk is going to be directed at somebody who has trusted in Jesus. If you've not trusted in Jesus, this is not going to make any sense to you. If you have trusted in Jesus, this is going to click. So let me, let me start this out by saying, if you've not trusted in Jesus, maybe you're watching me or listening to me in the future on the podcast, and you're interested in finding out how to stop watching porn. Everything I'm about to say is going to be based on you being a saint. I'm not talking about what you do. <laughs> All right. I'm talking about who you are. So if you want to become a saint right now, this very moment, all you have to do is trust Jesus. Do you want to do that? If you will trust Jesus by no work of your own, if you trust him, who he is, what he's done for you, you just became a saint. There's no special prayer. There's no special place you got to go, thing you got to do, something you got to stop, something you got to start. It is a one-time trusting of Christ. So if you believe that, if you trusted that, you're now a saint. It's that easy. Humanity has made it more difficult. Humanity has turned it into something that is a works-based salvation. But the reality is, you trust in Jesus one time in your life. At that exact moment, your old self dies. Romans chapter 6. Buried in the tomb with Jesus, Romans chapter 6. Resurrected as a new creation, Romans chapter 6. And then united. This is all Romans chapter 6. <laughs> and Galatians 2. And you're united and Colossians 2. And 2 Corinthians 5. You become a new creation instantaneously. All right? So if you trusted that, you're a saint. Now I'm going to be talking to the saints today. All right? So the saints are us, holy ones. A saint is not something that you do. A saint is not a title that is bestowed to you. Saint means holy one. What is the only thing that could possibly sanctify you? Hebrews chapter 13 tells us it is the blood of Jesus. So you trust in the blood of Jesus. You become sanctified. Which brings me back to Hebrews chapter 9. Your conscience will be cleansed as you trust in what that blood has done. So what has that blood done? Completely forgiven you. So if you have a conscience which is seared by a struggle of pornography watching, your conscience can be cleansed by a continual reminder that you're already forgiven before you do the porn watching. You're forgiven. And I'm going to get to that today. Okay, so I want, to, I want to cleanse your conscience today by getting you to refocus on what Christ accomplished at the cross. I'm going to make sin a lot smaller and Christ a lot bigger. 
I'm going to make your old self who has died <laughs> dead. He's already dead. She's already dead. And I'm going to make you as the new creation much bigger. I'm going to remind you what has happened not only for you, which is you're forgiven, but to you. You're a new creation. I'm going to help you not confuse what you do with who you are. You got to divorce your who from your do in order to break free from any addiction. I'm going to get to that towards the end of this walk talk. But first of all, let's talk about the history of pornography. Pornography is not new. Pornography has been around since humanity <laughs> figured out they could they could draw. <laughs> there are erotic images that are on cave walls. Okay? And then you've got Kama Sutra, which is from the 3rd century. Then you've got erotic images being produced by the time of the 18th century. And then it continued on. So this is not new. And then by the time of the 20th century, and then by 1969, the first full motion picture, which included, which was pornography, had its theatrical release. So 1969 was the first official pornographic film, but pornography, as far as viewing sexual images to become aroused, has been around from the beginning of time. So it's not new. Also, another full disclaimer, when you are researching the history of pornography on the internet, <laughs> you got to be really careful. And when I was typing this stuff in to try to find stuff, I was like, hmm... I hope something doesn't pop up. Not that I was going to look at it, but I didn't want that on my web browser. Um, and I did pretty good. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing came up that I, you know, that wasn't based on research. So you got pornography. I just want to talk about the history of pornography. It, your conscience may be just flooded with guilt and shame and condemnation. Today, I'm going to get rid of that. If somebody is dealing with you and your pornography use based on shame, guilt, condemnation, that's not coming from God. God does not interact with you that way. Everything God was angry about or you should have been shame, shameful about was absorbed by Christ on the cross. Romans chapter two says, it is the goodness of God which will lead you to any type of repentance. Goodness. God doesn't use shame on you. He used shame on the cross. God doesn't use condemnation on you. He used condemnation on the cross. So everything that you could possibly be condemned or guilty or shameful about in regard to your relationship with God, Christ absorbed that. Most churches do... I'm getting a little triggered right now. I can feel it. Most churches do not... Every time I think about this, <laughs> I get triggered. And the, the reason why I get triggered is most churches, they don't make any big deal out of Jesus. Calm down. Whew. Jesus is no big deal to most edifices, most box churches, most institutions, most religious system. Jesus means absolutely zero. He's nothing more than somebody that's mentioned on Christmas and Easter. So you can get the big donations at that time. Calm down, McMillan. <laughs> I'm, I'm triggered right now. Ooh, um, 
And I think I get triggered because it stirs up trauma because I know what it's like to feel the guilt and shame and condemnation and then finally understand the truth that Jesus absorbed all of this for me. Why didn't I get taught this earlier? It's because... I'm not going to be triggered all day today, but even though I'm going to feel it, <laughs> I was doing just fine until just a minute ago. I'm going to feel my triggers today and get through this. But Jesus is the reason why you don't need to be any type of anything negative in your mind in regard to your relationship with God. When you feel it, remember Jesus. This is going to cleanse your conscience. If more churches made a big deal about Jesus, less sinning would happen. But as a result of Jesus barely ever being mentioned, and when he is mentioned, it's table flipping Jesus. And table flipping Jesus was actually Jesus flipping tables over the legalists who had set up shop in the part of the temple courts, which was specifically reserved for the Gentile believers who were not part of the old covenant to go and pray. He was mad at the religious people, not the people who were doing all the nasty sinning. Jesus is nothing to most churches. Zero. I'm getting off track here. Calm down. Get back on track. <laughs> okay. I can do this. <laughs> okay. But when it comes to the topic of pornography, there's the history of it. Okay. So from 1969 on to the 80s, you got what's called the golden age of porn. And I don't know why they call it that air quotes, golden age of porn. I'm not calling it that. But when you do the research, they say this is the golden age of porn. Then you got home video, which made it easier for you to view pornography in the privacy of your own home. And then you got the internet. So now you could just look it up on the World Wide Web. And then after that, you got the mobile device, which now you could do it in the bathroom at work. And now there's VR where you can actually view it via the virtual reality headsets. So pornography is used a lot. It is a $100 billion a year industry. $100 billion per year is spent worldwide on the use of pornography. So that goes to show you that humans have sexual needs. Okay. Your body has physiological sexual logistics where you have an urge to have orgasms. So we can't get past that. I'm going to come back to that. But here's what I want to do. I want to search the scriptures. Search the Bible for pornography. And then we're also going to search the Bible for masturbation. We're going to talk about masturbation today. Our modern church wants to lump both of them together, porn and masturbation. And I'm going to talk about that today in great detail. But let's go to the Bible first. We're supposed to do this by the book, right? And I like saying that because once I understood that there's certain things that people say are in the Bible, which actually are not in the Bible, I became a lot more confident in what the actual Bible says. I became a lot more confident in what the actual spirit says through me about the Bible or to me about the Bible because it is the Bible that backs up the spirit. The spirit doesn't back up the Bible, which came first, 
The Bible is only what? 1,500 years old, 1,600 years old? The Spirit is eternal. The Spirit has been around from the garden. So when you read the Bible, it is the Holy Spirit within you which will back up the truths of Scripture. Not the other way around. How did humanity know God before Scripture? That question will dumbfound a lot of people. <laughs> it's the Spirit. Something in the woods over there. That's a squirrel. Looks like a squirrel anyway. So when, when you search the scriptures, you can have more confidence. So what I want you to do, anytime you have any issue about any particular topic, go to this website. It's called BibleGateway.com. If you, and I've been plugging it here lately, mainly because I want people to read the Bible for themselves, not just take my word for it. Go to Bible Gateway. If you go to Bible Gateway, and they're not paying me for this either. <laughs> they should. But if you go to Bible Gateway and you type in any word, it will populate on the right side every translation that it is in. It will also show you the context. And if you want to search the Greek, I recommend that you go over to Bible Hub. So searching the scriptures is going to get to a lot of this pornography and masturbation um, issue, and it's going to clear it all up. So when we go to the Bible and we search, go to Bible Gateway, and we use, type in the word porn, does anything populate? No. What about pornography? No. When you search the word sex, does it have any connotation of somebody watching sexual images, viewing sexual images? In the Bible. We're supposed to do this by the book, right? We can't just go off of how daddy did it and granddaddy did it. Calm down, McMillan. <laughs> so many people, when something's not in the Bible, their number one tactic is to attack you or gaslight you. Because it's not in the Bible. Because it's not in the Bible. And they're supposed to be representing God. And then, because it's not in the, just a quick side note here, and then because it's not in the Bible, they'll go over to everybody's doing it this way. And, or we've been doing it this way for so long. And, Judaism was around 1,500 years before Jesus. <laughs> Think what the early church had to go through. Let's get back on track here. So, porn, porn's not there. Pornography's not there. The, the connotation of somebody viewing porn is not there. Okay, so we can't say viewing porn according to the Bible is a sin. Now, I, I don't think you should be viewing it. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way from the beginning or from wherever we're at on this walk talk. Porn is not for you. Viewing people having sex, it's not for you. That's why you don't like it. After you do it, you're like, well, that was a dud. It's not for you. Inside you, you know, and you're holy, and you're blameless, and you're righteous, and the Holy Spirit within you will review to you, will reveal to you, sex is very special, it's supposed to be honored, and it is supposed to be between a man and a woman in the context of a lifelong commitment. It is not meant to be used for entertainment. It is not meant to be used to continually arouse you. 
So pornography will never, ever set right with you because you're a saint, because you're holy. It's not for you. So let's get that out of the way. And I was going to talk about this after I talked about where pornography and masturbation are in the Bible. Now we're going to get into the word masturbation. When you talk about pornography, you also got to talk about masturbation. There's no getting around it. <laughs> and some of my neighbor's windows are open around me here. So I'll be a little bit more quiet because they're, they're just now catching up to this or just now joining me in this walk talk. If they're hearing me talk about masturbation and you see, even when you talk about masturbation, immediately you get a little bit quieter. Immediately a feeling comes over you of that's wrong too. But is it, is masturbation wrong? According to the Bible, sex is supposed to be honored. Sex is not something that you're supposed to be um, flippant with talking about sex. But as far as masturbation is concerned, what about this word masturbation? Let's search the scriptures. Because most people who are anti-porn, all of them lump in. Now, I shouldn't say all. They're not this is not a one size fit all. Most of them will lump in masturbation with it. So you'll see somebody on TikTok or, or Instagram or Facebook and, and they say, I'm sober from porn and masturbation for this long. Or I'm struggling with porn and masturbation. They lump them together. So if masturbation is supposed to be peanut butter and jelly with pornography, we should probably see something about masturbation in the Bible being nasty or being sinful or being not okay. You might be scanning your Rolodex in your mind, thinking of certain Bible verses and I've done a full walk talk on just masturbation. <laughs> so I think it's my most watched walk talk. I don't know. Go to my website. You can watch it. But so I know the comments that are going to come in about this. I already know. And I also did a full walk talk on the uh, about sexual sin. But today I'm specifically going to talk about how to stop pornography. So when I talk about how to stop pornography, I have to talk about masturbation. And you'll find out why. But here's what I want to do right now. I want to search the scriptures for the word masturbation. And I also want to look at the passages where people say, no, this is masturbation. <laughs> and I need to be a little bit more quiet today because you know, my these houses are right next to me here today. And I think my neighborhood is used to me doing these walk talks, but... Um, that word might not be, uh, might not go over well with somebody having their breakfast. So let's just go to the Bible. If you go to Bible gateway, type in the word masturbate. Does anything pop up? No. Type in the word masturbation. Does anything pop up? No. <laughs> so to claim that masturbation is a sin based on the Bible you would actually be in error. You would be superimposing what your conscience has been trained with onto the Bible. And we're not supposed to do that. 
we gotta let the scriptures speak for themselves. And then we have to let the spirit speak to us through the scriptures. But I always like to point this out that according to the Bible, masturbation is not a sin and masturbation is not even in the Bible. Some of the kickback I'll get on this, probably the number one kickback I'll get is 1 Corinthians 6.18. Oh, 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality is a sin against your body. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> let's talk about 1 Corinthians 6.18. So let's, first of all, let's quote 1 Corinthians 6.18, because this is a passage that many people who say that masturbation is a sin will use in an effort to proof text and then they'll gaslight and then they'll be aggressive or they'll be passive aggressive or professorial. All of that is dung. We just have to, we have to let the scriptures just speak for themselves based on the context. So when we go to the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, first of all, let's, let's quote the scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins committed are outside of the body. Sexual sins are, is a sin against your own body. Okay. First of all, was this written in chapters? No. Chapters weren't added until the 13th century. Was this written in verses? No. Verses weren't added to the Bible until the 16th century. And chapters and verses were only added for easy referencing. There was no rhyme or reason. So if you follow a ministry or you have a ministry or you believe a ministry that does what's called proof texting, which is taking one verse out and building a doctrine on it or a set of verses, building a doctrine, then going over here, taking another copy paste, sticking it under there and proof texting based on those numbers, that is error. That is demonic doctrine of men. That will create something that the scriptures were never meant to be saying to you. So when you go to 1 Corinthians 6.18, if you just go to 1 Corinthians 6.18 and you look at this one verse and then you build a doctrine and you say, this is masturbation, it is a sin against your own body, you would be in error. There are lots of things that the, Bi that the Bible says where if you proof text, you should kill yourself or you should be killed. If you do any work on the Sabbath, you are to be put to death, according to Exodus 35. Are you doing work on the Sabbath? Well, that's what the Bible says. <laughs> uh, don't shave the sides of your beards. If you don't have a big beard, that's a sin. I would be sinning right now because I got this little goatee that I've had since I was 15. It used to be bright red. Now it's gray and getting grayer. <laughs> so when you go to the Bible, and you just proof text, you would be an error. That includes talking about masturbation. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 6, 18, and you say, this is masturbation, it's a sin against your own body, it's sexual. And then you can add whatever you want to add on top of that with your commentary, you would be an error. First of all, let's point out, does this say anything about masturbation? No, that word's not there. That word's not in the Bible. If you pan all the way back and you read the entire letter to the Corinthians, is it a connotation of you masturbating? No, nothing like that. Then actually the, con the context is sexual sinning because this is in Corinth and there was temple worship going on with prostitutes. 
In other words, if you go to this place and you have sex with prostitutes, that is an act of worship to that God. Temple work, excuse me, temple worship through prostitution. Read all around it. That's why he says, don't join yourself to a prostitute. Flee from this. So I say the same thing. Flee from it. Flee from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is not for you. Paul even says earlier in the chapter, he says, sexual immorality is not for your body. Your body was not made for sexual immorality. So I'm not telling you to commit a sexual sin. But I am going to tell you that this verse right here does not describe masturbation as a sexual sin. And here's another thing about this passage. When you, when you first read this passage, or you have it read to you in an aggressive way, you can think that a sexual sin is worse than any sin. Does Paul say that? No. Every sin would require Jesus to die again. Every sin. Because you would have to be forgiven again. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But Hebrews chapter 1 says, After providing purifications for sins, Christ sat down. So your sexual sins are forgiven. Your non-sexual sins are forgiven. Your sexual sins are going to require a death from Jesus. Your non-sexual sins are going to require a death for Jesus. Is Jesus going to die again? No, he died once for all. So you are forgiven of past, present, future sins. Right now what I'm doing is cleansing your conscience. And how am I doing that? I'm reminding you about the blood of Jesus. What did the blood of Jesus do? Forgave you of all your sins. How many of your sins were in the future when Christ died? So if you think, oh, I'm only forgiven up until a point of salvation... That sounds pretty demonic. That would mean you should probably wait to get saved until you get to the closest point of death. Did you know Constantine did that? Didn't wait to get saved, but that's a whole other topic. He, he, well, I'm not even going to talk about that. And if you want to find out, because <laughs> I could talk about that for a while, and I probably would if I started. If you want to find out more about that, just search my scripture, search my scriptures, search my YouTube channel. <laughs> I don't have scriptures. I'm just, you know, I'm a body of the member of the body of Christ, just like you. But if you go to my YouTube channel, you can search Constantine or church history. And I, I'd tell you some truths about a lot of the errors that we, we see today. But anyway, you, you're forgiven once. Once and for all time, you're forgiven. You got to keep in mind, God is not bound by time, space, or matter. If he was bound by time, space, or matter, he wouldn't be God. Therefore, he can forgive your future sins. So if somebody says God can't forgive your future sins, that you're only forgiven up until the point of salvation, that person saying that might want to consider whether or not they've ever truly trusted Jesus. Because then they would be thinking, I have to do something about my sins. And even the Hebrew people couldn't do anything about their sins. That's why they were told there's no forgiveness left at the temple. There's no sacrifice remaining there for sins. They thought they were doing something about their sins at the Day of Atonement. 
They thought they were doing something to draw near to God through daily sacrifices. Those things could never cause them to draw near to God. Those things could never do what the blood of Jesus could do. You are enjoying exactly what the blood of Jesus has done. And you're enjoying it for your non-sexual sins and your sexual sins. So this is grace. And this is going to teach you how to live an upright, holy, self-controlled life. Not threats. Not condemnation. That does not work. How's it working for you? In regard to your porn addiction. It just doesn't. So using 1 Corinthians 6.18 in an effort to say, first of all, this is masturbation. It's not. Second of all, this sin here is worse because it's against your body. Paul doesn't say that it's worse. He just says that it's a sin against your body. And it's forgiven. Does he threaten them? No. The very next verse, he says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You would think he would say, oh, you got a bunch of demons. Oh, you did this. You got a bunch of demons. Sexual sinning against your body. You got to get the demons cast out. Nope. He reminds them, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, honor God. Who before your due? Identity before actions. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next one. So there's the first one <laughs> gone. First Corinthians 6, 19 does not talk about masturbation. It has nothing to do with uh, masturbation being a sin. And every sexual sin is already forgiven. If you don't believe that, you might want to ask God why you don't believe that and then trust Jesus. And ask God, what, what are you doing about your sins that's so great that Jesus hasn't already done? And then you're going to have to figure out a much different reason to have proper behavior. <laughs> it's not so you can get more forgiveness. It's not so you can get back in fellowship. It's not so you can get right with the Lord. It's not so you will get them financial blessings. You're going to have to have good behavior because that's what fits you best as a saint. Your body was not made for sexual immorality, he says. So he does the same thing I'm doing. He reminds them who they are. He points out the sin and says, that's not for you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't hook up with temple prostitutes as an act of worship. There are some other sins listed as well. And he never condemns any of them. He reminds them, but you were washed. You were washed. You were justified. You were sanctified. Identity. Our church has an identity crisis, mainly because Jesus is no big deal. The first half of the gospel where you're forgiven, you got to deal with what happened at the cross, but also the second half of the gospel. It wasn't just Christ who died. You died too. You're dead to all of that stuff. You're dead to it. So that means when you decide to act on it, it's not going to set right with you. You could do it a hundred years. It's not going to set right with you. Therefore, consider yourself dead to it because you are dead to it. Not to be dead to it or to prove who you are, but because this makes sense for me. Okay. Let's go on to the next passage that many people will say, no, this is masturbation right here. You can't masturbate. Bible says. Well, Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> so let's go on to, what's the next one? Uh, Matthew 5, 28. 
Now, what's happening in Matthew 5, 28? <laughs> a lot of people go to this section of scripture to say right here, if you just lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. That's masturbation. Is it? Jesus says nothing about masturbation. He says, if you lust, you've committed adultery. Oh, you can't masturbate without lusting. Who says that? Where's that rule? So using Matthew 5, 28 to say, if you look at a woman, you've committed adultery. If you're attracted to them. And saying this is masturba masturbation, therefore don't do it. That would be you superimposing your view onto the Bible. Because that's not there. This is about adultery. <laughs> this is not about masturbation. This is about adultery. And who is Jesus saying this to? What's Matthew 5.27 say? One of the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery. So why would he say to somebody, the actual commandment, and then he ups the ante and says, but I tell you, if you even lust, you've committed adultery. Why would he say that? And again, does this say anything about masturbation? No, you would have to make it say that. Your conscience would have to be seared with Matthew 5, 28 is about masturbation because if you look at somebody and you lust and you masturbate, therefore that's a sin. You're, you're finagling all of the scriptures together to make what you want it to say. This is about adultery. This is about Jesus calling out the legalists who were finding their identity and their righteousness in law observance. Matthew 5 through 7 is directed at unbelievers who needed their mouth shut because they were saying, I'm righteous because I'm following all the commandments. That's why he says, you have heard, but I tell you, what did they hear? The commandments and the law, the 613, as well as the Talmud, which is the erroneous passed down oral man-made tradition of the Hebrew people. This has nothing to do with masturbation. This has to do with putting a legalist in their place and saying, you suck at following these commandments. You're guilty. There's not one righteous. Trust in the Messiah instead for your righteousness. That's the context. All right, let's go on to the next one. The last big holdout on this masturbation being sin according to the Bible. You got 1 Corinthians 6, 18, talked about that. Matthew 5, 28. One other thing about Matthew 5, 28. If you don't think this is Jesus upping the ante on self-righteous people, read Matthew 5, 48. The very last, last thing he says in this chapter. It, he lists all of this stuff that they weren't doing or thought they were doing. And then he ups the ante on it and they were not going to do that. And then he says, oh, by the way, be perfect like God. They could not do that. The only way you could attain perfection is through the blood of Jesus. Through one offering, you have been perfected. Hebrews 10, 14. That's the only way. So only by way of faith in the Messiah could they become perfect. And that's why I said be perfect like God, because they weren't. <laughs> it's not about masturbation. If you think you're not masturbating based on, based on Matthew 5, 48, excuse me, if you think you're not masturbating based on Matthew 5, 28, you would be in error. You would be following proof texting. All right. 
So the last holdout on this would be Genesis 38. So Genesis 38, many people will say, no, here is a clear case of somebody masturbating and God is angry about it. So if you go to Genesis 38, and again, search the scriptures, go to Bible Gateway, type in Genesis 38. What you will find out at what you will find out is this is not anybody masturbating. Does Genesis 38 list off anybody by themselves masturbating or in a group or with somebody masturbating? No, this is sex. This is actual intercourse. So when you go to Hebrews, excuse me, when you go to Genesis 38 and you read the story, it is about a man named Onan and he is having intercourse with his deceased brother's wife in order to get her pregnant to continue on that line. As such was his duty. He didn't want to impregnate her. So during intercourse, at the end, he withdrew. And it wasn't even the act of withdrawal that God was angry about. It was the fact that she was not going to be pregnant now. And God wants this line to continue. This family line to continue. God is doing everything he could possibly do with these tribes to make sure the Messiah comes at the exact point that he comes from the line of Judah. And he's putting all of these chess pieces in order and humanity was fighting against it. This is one of those instances. So it's not masturbation. It's withdrawal during sex. Withdrawal during sex is not a sin either. It was the fact that he was supposed to get her pregnant. So there, the, there they are. All of the passages about masturbation. So what am I getting at? <laughs> because the title of this walk talk is how to stop watching porn. And the reason why I talked about porn first and then masturbation is, first of all, I'm trying to cleanse your conscience of all of this religious guilt that humanity has, uh, first of all, about porn, but also about masturbation, not just pornography. Because if you, if you are trained up in a legalistic community, first of all, sex is sinful. Sex is nasty. Orgasms are bad. And some people, they can't even enjoy sex even after marriage because their conscience is so seared with religious guilt and religious condemnation. So it's not just sex, but it's, and it's not just uh, pornography. It's masturbation too. It's all of it lumped together. Anything that has to do with sexual functions is nasty. Because our modern church has lumped sex, porn, masturbation all in one big nasty ba basket and you better stay away from it. But here's the thing. Sex was God's idea. Everything about sex was God's idea. The attraction, foreplay, the actual act, the orgasm, the feeling you get during the orgasm, your creator thought of all of that 
It's not nasty. It's beautiful. It's good. It's fulfilling. It's healthy. It's not shameful. When you hear this, you might immediately think, I'm saying, go crazy. <laughs> I'm not. You know, if, if, if I had this, for example, let's just say this. Fire is great. Okay. So if I have fire right here in my hand, here's a hand towel. Imagine this little hand towel right here was a little ball of fire. All right. It can warm you up. It can give you light. It can cook your food. But say I took this ball of fire and I threw it over here into these crackling dead leaves. Something very, very beautiful. Something very, very helpful and amazing. It could cause a lot of destruction. So there are some parameters that God designed for sex. So I'm not saying sex is just, oh, willy-nilly. Oh, no, no. Sex is, sex is, and I said it in the beginning, sex is specifically designed for a man and a woman to enjoy in the context of a lifelong commitment. Okay? Now, if that's the case, and not everybody is in a relationship, but yet you still have the need to have an orgasm, you still have the need to express your sexual logistics. Here's another thing. Your body has a natural logistical need to have an orgasm. So when you lump porn and masturbation together and you say you can't masturbate because you have to watch porn or you're going to watch porn or you're going to think of something sexual, you would be telling somebody to deny the same type of need that you have to eat, poop, drink, breathe. You are a sexual creature. There's nothing wrong with that. Religion will... Calm down. Religion will teach... I know what it's like to hear this garbage. That's why. Religion will teach you that sex is a bad part of you. The Bible never says sex, sex is a bad part of you. It says sexual immorality. So we're not talking about immorality. We're talking about sexual logistics. And our modern church has lumped porn and masturbation together. Why? I believe it's a distraction from the enemy. Because the enemy knows when you put a thou shalt on somebody, they're going to do it even more. And that's why, according to the Gospel Coalition, Christian men struggle with pornography more than non-Christian men. Because the non-Christian men who know, I don't care, I'm, I'm free to do this, I can do whatever I want. They're not trying not to do it. But when you tell somebody thou shalt, that is going to stir up the flesh. It's going to stir up the power of sin. Something that you've already been taken out of. Something that you've already died to. And the reality is, sex is not sinful. Masturbation, according to the Bible, is not sinful. Now, your conscience might be seared in a, in a manner that thinks, oh, it's definitely sinful. But according to the Bible, it's not. Your conscience can be trained by anything, truth or error. 
That's why it's so important to continually hear the new covenant truths about who you are, about what Christ has done, about ultimately what you truly want. And I'm here to tell you, you don't want to look at the porn, but you still have sexual needs. So you have to separate the, the pornography <laughs> from the masturbation because your body physically has sexual needs. Your body, any doctor who knows anything about your sexuality will tell you, you will have an orgasm. Either you're going to have an orgasm through intercourse or sleep. They're called wet dreams or through masturbation. It's going to happen. <laughs> Just like your body excretes food and water, your body will excrete. And you're going to have orgasms. If you deny that, physiologically, you can struggle with, what's the word? There's a scientific word for, I'm not, I'm not going to say the, the slang word for it, but it is something that your body struggles with when you have continual arousal without an orgasm. I think it's epididymis hypertension. I think that's what it is. Epididymis hypertension. It is your body saying, hey, <laughs> um, I got to get a release here. It's the same way as your body would say, hey, I got to get that next breath here. I got to get that next burger here. <laughs> but our modern church has made masturbation sinful and nasty and attempted to use the Bible to back it up. And it's causing people to look at pornography even more because they know my loins is burning. <laughs> I got to get, you know, I, you know, I gotta, I don't have a wife. <laughs> I don't have a husband. Uh, I'm going to have to figure out, a, I'm going to I'm gonna have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, <laughs> so we got it. We got to get to the point of, of realizing that it's just one second here. What's up guys? It's my buddy. We got to get to the point of realizing just because our modern church has lumped pornography and masturbation together doesn't mean they they have to be it's, it's a wild thought i know <laughs> oh you can't masturbate without looking at porn oh yeah says who who says that <laughs> what they do before porn was available on their mobile device or on the internet or at your local theater. Can you imagine being in that theater? <laughs> uh, my father-in-law was telling a story about a local drive-in movie theater that was here back in the 70s. And he said they used to show, show porn all the time on it. And there'd always be a bunch of people over there. You know what? <laughs> but we have lumped these things together. We have lumped viewing porn. I got to do it because I got this need. When the reality is, masturbation can actually stop you from looking at porn. And that was one of the main points I wanted to make today. So many people, they want to lump these things together and say, 
masturbation will cause you to want to look at porn? It's not the case. It stops the desire. (laughs) You don't have to look at porn to take care of a sexual need of your body. You don't have to. This will remove all the power of that pornography. Everything about that pornography that you know, I should not be looking at this. This is not okay for me to look at. I'm a saint. I'm a holy one. Sex is not supposed to be viewed from other people. (laughs) You know, this is something very, something that is very special. And I'm not, I'm not okay with this. It's going to remove that. And you're going to, you're going to take care of your, your regular functions. There are scientific benefits masturbation as well told you this wasn't for kids (laughs) some scientific benefits first of all it relieves stress (laughs) it's a stress reliever second of all you'll sleep better lowers your blood pressure clearly (laughs) what else you have better skin What else? If you're a male, it lowers your risk of prostate cancer. There are benefits to it. There are very damaging benefits. There are, it's not even a benefit. There are very damaging causes to deny that. Any doctor will tell you that you need to Somehow, (laughs) this normal function of your body. So today, my main point is you don't have to look at pornography to masturbate. And according to the Bible, masturbation is not sin. And you are a human being who has sexual logistics. When you separate these things, the power of pornography in your mind is going to fade away. It's not going to be as tempting. This, you know, this entire walk talk is already, (laughs) uh, you know, pretty not normal of what I normally do. But, you know, if you're struggling with pornography... Try masturbation without pornography. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm not saying you don't have to do it. This is not any new commandment I'm creating or a a new law. I'm expressing your Christian liberties. And I'm showing you what the Bible says. And I'm explaining that you, as a a created physical life form, have this need. I'm removing all of the guilt, shame, condemnation from your conscience about this topic. And I'm trying to get you to refocus on what the blood of Jesus has done with all of your sins. And I'm not even saying that masturbation is a sin. Watching porn? Yes, that's not a faith. That's not for you. But just because our modern church lumps all these things together, tries to make you feel shameful, doesn't mean it's the truth. Doesn't mean you have to think that you're shameful because you're not. 
You're not shameful. There's nothing about you that's shameful. Nothing. All of your shame was absorbed by Christ on the cross. You got to deal with that. So, how do you stop watching porn? First of all, stop trying to stop. You've tried a thousand times. You're just, your effort is never going to cause you to stop. Try again. See how long you get. You might go a long time without doing it. <laughs> and what's going to happen at that point is you're going to think, boy, I got this system beat. And then you're either going to look at it again. You're going to relapse. Then you're going to try hard again. You're going to relapse, go a long time, or you're going to go a long time. And then you're going to begin to feel a little self-righteous and you're going to condemn everybody who doesn't do what you do. I'm living proof. I used to act in pornography. Now I don't even look at it and I don't even masturbate. And nobody gives a flip. Nobody cares that you stopped acting in porn. Nobody stops that you Nobody cares that you stop mad. Nobody cares about that. But they do care when you let them know the power of Jesus Christ which is within them. You really want to make an impact with your ministry? It's cool you stopped acting in the porn. I'm happy for you. Good job. What about Jesus? <laughs> How about you make a big deal about what Jesus has done? Because even if you go back to acting in porn again, you're still a saint. But you're doing something that's not very saintly. And had you believed before you started acting, you were a saint while you were doing all the acting in porn. You didn't become un you didn't unbecome a saint when you started doing the porn and then when you stopped you became a saint again. That's error. You would be overlooking every other sin in your life. And then you would have to be stomping out every single sin like whack-a-mole in order to continue to be a saint. And that is no way to live and that's not how we are to live. You have to realize that a saint is what you are. I follow some people on social media and their entire thing is, I used to be in porn, now I'm not. So be like me. Porn is bad. Masturbation is bad. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm doing all these amazing things. Who cares? What about Jesus? What about the new creation that you were from the time that you already believed? What if you believed before that? I, I don't want to downplay the fact that they're not doing it anymore. That's good. I'm glad you're not. You know, <laughs> good job. But that's great. But if you are making people think that because you're no longer in porn and you are a proponent for not porn or no masturbation and no porn, nobody cares about that. And there's still a hundred billion dollars a year being spent on pornography. How about you tell people about what the cross has actually accomplished? How about you separate the pornography from the masturbation? How about you let people know that they have sexual logistics that are going to happen? How about you let people know you don't have to look at porn to take care of your body's sexual needs? 
God knows you don't have a, a spouse or God knows that your spouse is denying you sex. Stop obsessing over sex. Get it off your mind. Get on with your day. <laughs> and you don't have to look at porn to do it. Where is this rule that you have to look at pornography or you have to think of pornography or anything that has to do with combining everything going on in pornography with attending to your body? There's no rule. <laughs> that is all passed down man-made traditional error of shame. So if you want to stop looking at porn, stop looking at porn. Stop trying so hard to quit. Stop trying. Start trusting. Go from trying hard to trusting hard. What does that look like? I did it again. It's not for me. I did it again. It's not for me. I don't want this. <laughs> Help me, God. I don't want this. I did it again. I'm sorry. It's not for me. You're not asking for forgiveness. You're not asking to get back in God's good graces. You're not asking him to do stuff if you stop. It's just you trust that you're forgiven and you're righteous and it's not for you and your body. You should be fleeing from sexual immorality. Therefore, viewing pornography is not for you. Listening to it, whatever. Remind yourself of what happened at the cross. Remind yourself of what happened through the resurrection. Remind yourself of what Jesus accomplished. Stop trying. Start trusting. Realize, now here's a fact. Realize you could literally look at pornography every second of the day until the day you die and you're still holy. That's hard to fathom with the religious system out there. Now notice I didn't tell you to do that. You should not do that. <laughs> That's not for you. But if you did, you're still holy. Why? Because only the blood of Jesus can make you holy and you've trusted in him. Yeah, but I'm doing something that's unholy. I know. <laughs> so don't do that <laughs> because you're holy. You don't stop a sin to attain holiness. You trusted in the only one who can make you holy. Realize there's no shame on you. You could view the porn 24-7 until the day you die and you're still not shameful with God. Why? Because that's absorbed by Christ on the cross. You're not condemned. You could look at it every second of the day until the day you die. You're not condemned. One sin would condemn you to hell. One. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. Stop trying. Start trusting. Stop thinking that you're shameful. Stop thinking you're condemned. Stop thinking you're guilty with God. You're not. Why? Jesus. And consider taking care of the need <laughs> without viewing porn. Something to think about. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm saying something to think about. I've cleansed your conscience of pornography, masturbation based on scripture, told you about what your actual physical body has a need for. And now you're free. This is a Christian liberty issue. You're free. 
you got to deal with your freedom. You know, so many ministries will tell you, you need to do this and you need to not do that. That I don't do that. <laughs> I reveal your freedom and then you do whatever is good for you. All right. Oh, two other things I did. I want to button this up real quick. Two other things I did want to talk about. Viewing porn and masturbation does not cause you to get a demon. You're sealed up with the spirit. There's not a single instance on this side of the cross where a demon enters a Christian or touches a Christian. There's no sin that could do that. Why? Colossians 2.15 tells us the demonic realm was disarmed at the cross. So you don't have a demon. Don't worry about that. Now, if you're, if you're viewing that stuff in a very, very addictive way, they could be in your midst. They could be around you. You could be inviting them to be around you, but they still can't touch you. If you're addicted to pornography and, you know, there's some doors being slammed and stuff being knocked off the counter or people running, something running up and down the stairs, you know, it, you're, you're being involved with things which are inviting demonic presences, but they can't touch you and they can't possess you. They have no power over you. You're sealed up with the spirit. Not one time on this side of the cross do we see anybody who has trusted Jesus mess with a demon as far as having them in them. Not once. Also, you don't have a Jezebel spirit. <laughs> this Jezebel spirit deal from the book of Revelation. I think it's got a Jezebel spirit with all that porn. Oh my gosh. The Jezebel in Revelation is a symbolic female teacher teaching false doctrine about licentiousness. First of all, <laughs> I'm not teaching you licentiousness. Licentiousness is you should sin and sin is good. <laughs> That's licentiousness. I never say anybody should sin. I say you can and you're forgiven and you don't want to. Licentiousness is what the book of Jude is written about. So the spirit of Jezebel blaming people or proof texting and saying you got a spirit of the Jezebel or Jezebel spirit if, if you're that you're just repeating man-made traditional error. If you read that section of scripture, and here's another <laughs> here's another thing. Did you notice it is a female teacher? Jesus doesn't correct the fact that it's a female teacher, but that what she's teaching is false doctrine. And what would false doctrine be? You should commit sexual immorality. You should. But still, you won't get a demon. All right. All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light maybe some error, maybe some truth. And you should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. So always tell the truth about yourself. Always be yourself. Love you too. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.